Welcome to Turns Out She's Psychic, the podcast. Spiritual musings, sometimes amusing. I'm Tracy. And I'm Laura. Hello, dear listeners. This is Turns Out She's Psychic. I'm Laura. I'm Tracy. (laughs) How are you going? I am good. I'm good. I got my new phone today because I smashed it this morning Mm -hmm. and my world was just like, what? Because my life is ran on my phone. Yeah. But I got a nice new red one and I love it. It matches my red microphone. I was just about to say that. (laughs) So how long were you without the phone for? Oh, about an hour and a half. And was it dinging away when you turned it on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, well, it was still dinging while it was on, like while it was broken. Oh, and that was the, the hardest screen. part. I was getting messages. Yeah. And I couldn't see who they were from. I had uh-huh. clients tinging. I had emails coming in. I had alerts coming on. And I was <laughs> like, oh, my God. And then I took Alaska to the bus stop and the bus didn't come. Oh, man. And I was so cranky. So cranky. And so my whole morning I walked in and I've got my moon boot on so because I, I hurt my foot again on the weekend as you know but the listeners don't know I hurt my foot again yes and I walk into Optus and like I must have looked like I had steam coming out of my nose <laughs> and my e-holes because he's just like how can I help you <laughs> and I showed him my phone he goes come and sit down let's sort that out for you mm-hmm. he's like how's the rest of your morning been apart from your phone and I just looked at him like <laughs> with devil eyes I'm sure and he's like that good huh <laughs> and he goes good thing though it's Tuesday it's a short week and I was like yeah that's actually a good idea I hadn't thought about that and then he had me laughing by the end of it so that was good wow he's in the right job isn't he yeah he he was good he he was he understood my humor around how frustrated I was with the whole happening of this morning because it was just like it was one of those like comedy of errors shit shows this morning and I woke up so happy Mm. and like in the best mood yeah (laughs) I know right could you imagine (laughs) could you imagine (laughs) But it was just like, it was like I was rolling down this hill and I just couldn't stop rolling. It's just like one thing after another, after another. Not even your moon boot would stop you rolling down that hill. No. (laughs) Mm, You poor thing. It's all good. We had a lovely weekend together. And you got your hair chopped today. did get my hair chopped today. And I love it. (laughs) Thanks. I love it. I've wanted it for a while, so it's good. It's not super short, but just enough to make it easier. I like it. It's fresh. Thanks. Yeah, feeling fresh. <laughs> but what I was going to say was we were at a little harvest festival uh, just inland from where we live by about half an hour and it was lovely. We got to see some bands play and the kids had pony rides and you were hobbling around in your moon boot. You weren't actually <laughs> hobbling but you were getting around in your moon boot. Yeah. Because you've got a bit of a broken foot thing happening. Yeah. That will get sorted at some point. Yeah. Not much you can do about it. No. Could wait for it to rest. Um, yeah. But it was such a good weekend. It was such a, a lovely way to spend the Sunday. Absolutely. And it was perfect weather. It was like a crisp day, but oh. like full sun, no clouds. Couldn't have asked for better. And it was in a valley. And yep. you, you pointed out when the moon just broke up over the top of the mountains, it was just it was amazing. Loved and we it. had the Indigenous elder. Yeah. Do a a nice, beautiful ceremony and did you do and a smoking and then the tent came down. Yeah. Remember that? Like right at the end. It was like Gaia just going. Yeah. It was like a full gazebo that got up under it and blew it like you see the way that um, beach umbrellas blow and scuttle down the, the sand. This was a full gazebo tent thing. Yeah. And the guy, the Indigenous guy, actually, I was watching him when it happened and oh. he literally just went, Haha, and as if like he knew exactly that it was the the land spirit that was doing it. It was almost like on cue. Mm. Um, but you were telling me something really interesting, which I want you to share. Oh, I, I will definitely share it. And I wish I could sort of remember it in even more detail to give it um, more credit, but I will do my best. I love it um, how you know exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a pretty, like, it was a pretty poignant moment when cool. I um, 
when this First Nations guy came out and did the Welcome to Country, it really reminded me of just recently, about a month ago, I was uh, in Wollongong for a work um, conference and, you know, at the start of the very first day, there was a Welcome to Country by uh, a First Nations person down there. And, um, well, that's how it was booked on the on the itinerary for the day type thing. And so he got up and he introduced himself or he was introduced and he said, I'd just like to see a show of hands how many people have uh, been to or heard a welcome to country before. And everyone um, put their hand up because I suppose if you've gone to sort of any talk or any school. sort of anything, yes, yeah, school, you know, there is a welcome to country because there's two things. There's the um, acknowledgement of country and a welcome to country. Um, so, so we all put our hands up. And he said, well, great, um, our job is done. If you have received a welcome to country before, our job's done. You don't need another one. You don't need someone to come up here to make yourselves feel better about um, being on this land that you know nothing about and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And I was like looking around the room, but I felt like I was sort of kicked in the guts. But I'm like, he's so right. Mm. And then he went on and um, just mentioned there was five things and I and I really this is what I was saying before, I wish I could remember them all, but he said, we uh, want to share a, our culture with you and we want to invite you in ways to how you can um, live these sorts of cultures. Like we want to educate you. So the way, you know, we live and what means a lot to us is connection to people, our connection to land, um, our storytelling from where we come from, Um if we're moving from a piece of like our land to somebody else's, we will, um, you know, there's there's different land stories and there's different things that you notice from your land. And when you go to another's land, um, you know, you observe them and you you live in a sort of relationship with that and with the people there and with everything. Um, and so he really, it was such a powerful talk. Um, he got such a obviously he got such a big clap at the end but it was one of those things where you're not quite the same person after having heard that like you yeah. really heard it really heard it and he was like it was just so powerful mm. yeah so I was like yeah he's he's so right so I've told you you must hunt him down to get on the mm. podcast because I, I think that our listeners would love to hear what he's got to say yeah, it was just, it was so well done. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Really got our asses handed to us on a plate in the, in the nicest way though, as well. It's and an it art. It was an art. Yeah. But it was just so true. Like there was no one there that would have gone like, oh, you could have been a bit different about that. Everyone was just like, yeah, he's got a point. He's absolutely mm. right. <laughs> Yeah. So it was, um, it was good. So, you know, it was an invitation to think about um, those things, those meaningful things in the way that we relate to them and how we can invite those ways into our life and, and live by them a bit more. So it was super cool. So very yeah. cool. And mm. you um, brought my attention to something that I had wrong my entire life, which I don't think was like I never really thought about it before, but um, referring to country and nations. So I always yeah. thought that nations like welcome, like welcome to country was for each mob had their own country. Uh, yeah. Um, and then the nation was like the Australia, um, but it's the other way around. Yeah. They all have different nations of where they're from. Yeah. 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 So welcome, welcome to country, country is just is to Australia. Yeah. 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 But nation. There's so is, many nations. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's very cool. It's all very well, interesting. It, you know how it's pretty embarrassing at how ignorant we are because we've never learnt it. It's never talked about, never spoken about. It's changing now, but certainly, you know, growing up, school was very different to what school is these days. And these are, um, these people are the oldest living uh, culture in the world on earth. Mm-hmm. And they're still with us. Like, how are we not revering this culture? How are, how are we not holding them up? in awe yeah just blows me away yeah I agree um I would not say how embarrassing though because I don't feel embarrassed about something that's not my like it the way that our culture is now it's not like you and I didn't decide that 
No, no, so quite right. I'm not going to yeah. hold on to other generations' embarrassment about what they did or didn't do. I love how you've got that added layer of understanding, whereas I'm, you know, got that human emotional side that ties me to these emotional sort of feelings. But it is what it is. You're quite right. It's not. Um, it's not intentional or fault of our own, but it's still there. We're still a product of our upbringing, I suppose. Yeah, but we shouldn't hold on to the emotion of other people's embarrassment. Other people's shame is not your shame. I was listening to Brene Brown quite right, quite right. the other day just on a TikTok and My she was hero. talking about, yeah, she was talking <laughs> about shame um, mm. and I'm probably going to butcher this, but she was saying um, so the, the interviewer said something about shame. She goes, no, hang on a second. That is not shame. Like mm. by me saying um, I I feel um, ashamed about this, this, and this, and this, and this, that's not shame. Like that's not shaming someone. Shaming someone is when you say you're a bad person for being yes. shamed. Yeah. Like it's like shaming and shame is about making, intentionally making someone feel bad that's right. About what it is that, that that they've got. And I don't feel shame mm-hmm. about that, mm. about the Indigenous. I feel like it's not shame. I feel like definitely I could probably take, definitely could definitely, not probably, definitely take a more proactive approach about it being something that I pay more attention and more respect to. Yeah, moving forward. Yeah. Moving forward. But I also think that it's not my entire job. Like it's not my an entire huge part of my existence to do that. Like we all have priorities in our life. Mm-hmm. And within what you're here to do, the priorities move up and down. Mm-hmm. And the Indigenous conversation is definitely a conversation there, but it's not a priority in my life. And I do not feel ashamed or embarrassed about that. And then, if I was to sit down with an Indigenous person who was going to have a conversation and not feel attacked, and I wouldn't feel attacked, and it wouldn't be to shame each other or hurt each other or anything, it would just be a conversation. It would be interesting because how much um, responsibility does the Indigenous community take at not doing more on their end? Yeah, you know. Well, yeah, I don't know enough about it. I don't know what me either. But it would it would be. Yeah, but it would be so interesting to have conversations that were like that, that were open, where it's not about like he said, she said, he did, he didn't do, she did, she didn't do, or shaming or whatever. It's just conversation is where it goes and we're a new generation who do things differently. So it's like let's not talk about what's happened and start talking about solutions and how we move it from here rather than just sitting down saying tit for tat. Going like, over have, the past, yeah. yeah I think have, I think respect and connection for anyone is paramount. 100%. Yeah. But I think the best way to respect someone and to give them what they deserve is to help them live in the future, move forward mm-hmm. with that respect, not go back in time and try and pretend or even believe in any way shape or form that by me acknowledging it today is going to do anything for the past it's not it cannot take it back it what's done is done but what we can do is decide from today to make it an unequivocal Mm. undoubted promise and agreement and respect to live with it from today onwards that's more important Oh, I think. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you, but it was only very recently that it stopped getting denied, and I think there's Absolutely. like so many layers there of of anger because for a very long time, it wasn't just. Not only was it not talked about, it was denied. So it was only very, very recently because of all the talk about what happened in the past, and because, and we probably still don't know the absolute depths of what happened. Um, and what you're saying is. Yeah, it's in the past, but when it when it's denied, when someone's history, culture, and the desecration of it is is denied, I think that's definitely conversations that are absolutely worthwhile having. And I know you think that too. I know that's not what you were saying. I was just bringing up another very valid point. Yeah, and you know how you know with conversations about even with um, with women, 
you know, and women's rights yeah. and black people, mm-hmm. uh, like any anything that has like any kind of denial or yeah. um, minority that, yeah. Yeah, you know, those conversations have power. to happen, you know, mm. they're validating conversations. But um, and that's how we learn to do better. Yeah. And and it's how it's how people at validation, like I'm in it's even in my book, like being validated is a huge part of our evolution. Yeah. And reflecting. Yeah. Correct. And even though people feel that they need to seek external validation, ultimately it's internal validation that's required. And I think because I do look at things from such a different perspective. Completely different. Yeah. Completely different. And I can't not see it that way. Yeah. And it's really hard to explain it from that space. But I feel that the best way that me, Tracy, the job that I can do and the impact that I can have in my life is to live every day respecting it in the here and the now and in the future because yeah. I can't pretend to think that anything that I do today is going to make up for what was done to them in the past. Yeah, it's it's true. It's not going to make up for it. It's just that acknowledgement and that sign of respect, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, but live with that acknowledgement and respect moving forward instead yeah. of talking about it needing to be done in the past. Mm-hmm. It's like show up today with it. That is the best sign of respect and the best sign of that you that you believe it, that that you are it because you're practising what you preach, you're, you're walking your talk. Mm. Yep. You yep. know, because there's only so much. To hear those much, messages, to hear yeah. those and to, and to live by them and to really let them resonate deeply. Yeah, because that man that spoke to you in Wollongong, mm-hmm. what he was telling you was like, oh, we don't need to do that. What we need to do is educate you. Mm. And when you're educated with with our customs and what our belief systems are and the, the way of the land. You live by them. You live yeah. by that. Mm. And it's the same message. It's just mm-hmm. like, okay, we, 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 we don't need you to make you feel better about yourself by sitting here having a conversation, you saying sorry. What yeah. we need is for you to incorporate it and live with it from the future. Yeah. From now to the future. Sharing that culture, mm. living it. Yeah. It's such an important conversation, but it's it's such an impassioned one as well. It's one that we weren't planning on having. No. Nope. Completely <laughs> random. And it was like we went hard and fast deep right now. And we took you all with us. So <laughs> as we do. Yeah. As we do. And that's what I love about us and this space, um, the conversations we have and the listeners that we have uh tend to be up for anything (laughs) (laughs) turns out it's another tangent but I Um, like the fact that we can have these conversations and talk about potentially you know difficult topics because they need to be spoken about yeah conversations you know it doesn't matter who's right who's wrong being able to listen and have different perspectives and you know what like amazing When something is brought to birth, like when something is created, there are people who are the people who conceive the idea. There are people who are the idea that get that that thought into form. And then there's the people who build the technology to turn that form into something useful. And then there's the people that use it. People are here to exist in all different phases of a whole. Yeah. And so in a conversation like what we were just talking about, there's people who exist in certain stages. Yeah. So what I really love about it is that our podcast and our listeners, we think, <laughs> I think we just assume because We're we don't hear from them about it. You. I can't hear yeah, them sorry. now. <laughs> um, but um, it's like everyone just accepts that there are people along on all different stages of the conversation and yeah. it's okay to be where you're at. There's no judgment um, and you can be really feeling really strong and and really like impassioned about where you sit on your end of the conversation. But what's beautiful about it is that we acknowledge that there are people at different stages of the conversation and that's totally okay. Yeah. That doesn't mean that they're wrong or right or need to be shamed for it. It's just where they sit on the conversation. And ask the question. Always ask the question. Mm. Even if yeah. you're feeling silly about it, there'll be hundreds of people out there wanting to know the same thing, but not game enough to ask yeah that's it and just the fear of conversation yeah and if it's coming from a genuine place of wanting to know more and wanting to be informed rather than wanting to aggravate and wanting you know just going out there yeah just going out there to be a jerk 
don't ask those questions. Mm. That's it. <laughs> but if it's coming from a place of genuine lack of knowledge and keen interest to understand, you know, there's no such thing as a silly question. Mm-hmm. Yep. Phrased and the right way. All conversations are good conversations if there's respect there. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Anyway, that was a lovely, was random, a fucking huge way to start a little podcast episode that we were going to revisit that awesome book that you got sent. Yep. We're going to bring you all the way up to Bearshies and other death warnings. Bearshies and death warnings <laughs> after. Wow. Okay, cool. Because we had some really great feedback uh, last week. So we thought we'd revisit this for a cheeky another chapter. Yeah, get it done before I get over it and can't be bothered. Oh, my God. You're such a spoiled brat. (laughs) So for our Wednesday, just a bit of light Wednesday listening. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I'm going to start with the beginning of the chapter, but like I was explaining to Lara before, in this beautiful book that is so old, um, they don't write the same as what they do now where there's like, an obvious gap in the chapter or in the um in the paragraph that indicates that it's moving on to a new story. In mm-hmm. this book, it's just all one like, one piece of text. <laughs> and it's just like, oh hang on a second, they have moved on to a new story. And before oh, you know wow. it, you're reading it. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna do my best. I think I've marked where the stories end and the ones that I want to read. So I'm gonna just do my best and we'll see. You're what so cute. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. So Of all Irish ghosts, fairies, or boggles, the banshee, sometimes called locally the bohintha or bankintha, it's weird because they've got double E's in them with lines over the top of them, so I'm not sure if I'm accenting that correctly. Oh, okay. I need an Irish person. Is it a bogle? Oh, bogle. I don't know. (laughs) I've never heard of these terms before. Or maybe it's bogle, B-O-G-L-E. Bogle. Bogle. Hmm. Could be. Anyway. Anyway. So (laughs) (laughs) the Banshee is the best known to the general public. Indeed, cross-channel visitors would class her with pigs, potatoes, and other fauna and flora of Ireland and would expect her to make manifest her presence to them as being one of the sites of the country. She is a spirit with a lengthy pedigree, how lengthy no man can say, as its roots go back into the dim, mysterious past. The most famous banshee of ancient times was that attached to the king, kingly house of O'Brien, Abe Hill, who haunted the rock of Craigley above Killalo, near the old palace of King Cora. In AD 1014 was fought the Battle of Clontarf, from which the aged king, Brian Boru, knew that he would never come away alive. For the previous night, Abe Hill had appeared to him to tell him of his impending fate. The Banshee's method of foretelling death in olden times differed from that adopted by her at the present day. Now she wails and wrings her hands as a general rule, but in the old Irish tales, she is to be found washing human heads and limbs or blood-stained clothes till the water is all dyed with human blood. This would take place before a battle. So it would seem that in the course of centuries, her attributes and characteristics have changed somewhat. Thank fuck. Just quietly. (laughs) Very different. Can you imagine Putin? Like getting this like banshee. <laughs> I'd love that actually. <laughs> That'd be great. Very different descriptions are given of her personal appearance. Sometimes she is young and beautiful, sometimes old and of a fearsome appearance. One writer describes her as a tall, thin woman with uncovered head and long hair that floated round her shoulders attired in something which seemed either a loose white cloak or a sheet thrown hastily around her, uttering piercing cries. She sounds lovely. Mm. Another person, a coachman, saw her one evening sitting on a stile in the yard. What's a stile? I don't know. You've got to get Googling. Okay. (laughs) She seemed to be a very small woman with blue eyes, long light hair, and wearing a red cloak. 
Other descriptions will be found in this chapter. By the way, it does not seem to be true that the Banshee exclusively follows families of Irish descent. For the last incident had reference to the death of a member of a co-Galway family, English by name and origin. One of the oldest and best-known Banshee stories is that related in the memoirs of Lady Fanshawe. In 1642, her husband, Sir Richard, and she chanced to visit a friend, the head of an Irish sept, who resided, another Google word, who (laughs) resided in his ancient baronial castle surrounded with a moat. At midnight, she was awakened by a ghastly and supernatural scream and looking out of bed, beheld in the moonlight a female face and part of the form hovering at the window. The distance from the ground, as well as the circumstance of the moat, excluded the possibility that what she beheld was of this world. The face was that of a young and rather handsome woman, but pale, and the hair, which was reddish, was loose and dishevelled. The dress, which Lady Fanshawe's terror did not prevent her remarking accurately, was that of the ancient Irish. This apparition continued to exhibit itself for some time and then vanished with two shrieks similar to that which had first excited Lady Fanshawe's attention. In the morning, with infinite terror, she communicated to her host what she had witnessed and found him prepared not only to credit but to account for the superstition. A near relation of my family, he said, expired last night in this castle. We disguised our certain expectation of the event from you, lest it should throw a cloud over the cheerful reception which was your due. Now, before such an event happens in this family or castle, the female spectre whom you have seen is always visible. She is believed to be the spirit of a woman of inferior rank, (laughs) whom one of my ancestors degraded himself by marrying. Oh my and whom goodness. afterwards, to expiate the dishonour done to his family, he caused to be drowned in the moat. Oh, my goodness. In strictness, this woman could hardly be termed a banshee. The motive for the haunting is akin to that in the tale of the Scotch drummer of Kotaki, where the spirit of the murdered man haunts the family out of revenge and appears before a death. The late Mr. T.J. Westrop, M.A., furnished the following story. My maternal grandmother heard the following tradition from her mother, one of the Miss Ross Lewins, who witnessed the occurrence. Their father, Mr. Harrison Ross Lewin, was away in Dublin on law business and his absence. See, I'm on a new story. I didn't even realise it. (laughs) Because they sort of liken them together. But I had a question. Well, not a question, an observation more. I guess drownings were a common way to do away with somebody, but it really reminded me of when we were at Mangrove Creek and that lady in dripping nightgown and everything came through because she'd Mm. been drowned in the river. Mm. Took me right back there. Is her name Alice? Was it? I think it might have been. Oh, I don't know. I'm just making that up, but yeah. No, but I'm going to just start using some of this language, man. It's like, okay, so. I'm going to have to Google what it all means. <laughs> style. Pull up a style. Style and um, I'm just going to just talk about everybody dying as expiring. Expired. Yeah. Anyway, so the night was fine and lightsome as they were returning, save at one point where the road ran between trees or high hedges not far to the west of the old church of Kilchrist. The latter, like many similar ruins, was a simple oblong building with long side walls and high gables. And at that time, it and its graveyard were unenclosed and lay in the open fields. As the party passed down the long dark lane, they suddenly heard in the distance loud keening and clapping of hands as the country people were accustomed to do when lamenting the dead. The Ross Lewins hurried on and came in sight of the church, on the side wall of which a little grey-haired old woman clad in a dark cloak was running to and fro, chanting and wailing and throwing up her arms. The girls were very frightened 
But the young men ran forward and surrounded the ruin, and two of them went into the church, the apparition vanishing from the wall as they did so. They searched every nook and found no one, nor did anyone pass out. (laughs) (laughs) All were now well scared and got home as fast as possible. On reaching their home, their mother opened the door and at once told them that she was in terror about their father. For as she sat looking out the window in the moonlight, a huge raven with fiery eyes lit on the sill and tapped three times on the glass. They told her the story which only added to their anxiety, and as they stood talking, taps came to the nearest window and they saw the bird again. Wow. A few days later, news reached them that Mr Ross Lewin had died suddenly in Dublin. This occurred in about 1776. How do you feel when you're reading these things? Do you get any, like, feelings of validation or it's just so old and such an old story that it's just reading another story? No, I feel like I wonder why, like I wonder what is it about evolution that's changed the way that spirits communicate. Yeah, because that was so, they seem so so more open to it or much more superstitious, much more reverence held by the meanings of things. Well, I think it's a people thing. Like we didn't have, like, light was more natural and, and a lot yeah. of spirituality has to do with light also um our our minds and our hearts weren't as preoccupied with bullshit oh so much preoccupation these days distractions yeah There's so no it's more of a yeah it's more of an us thing that's evolved it's just like but I but I wonder why like I yeah me I wonder what the purpose of of us moving further and further away from spirit, mm. um, like what that did. But I don't know. Yeah, I think of it more from a much more of a global perspective than I do from a spirit and ghosts and banshees You reading thing. it. No, I was just wondering if you, as a medium, reading ghost stories, especially when the crow or the raven was tapping on the window, I wonder if, well, a part of me was wondering if something in you went, oh, yeah, that was that. That was the dead dude who was tapping that because it was dead before you actually read it. Well, to be honest, while I'm reading this, I'm trying really hard to articulate the words because the uh, writing is so different yeah. to a normal book. So right. yep. I'm trying not to get tongue-tied. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you are being so careful with your words. <laughs> I just had and one last question. <laughs> yeah, go. You know when they said no one fainted? Yeah. Do you often picture that like in times gone by, fainting seemed much more of a thing? Like due to shock, they would just faint. I don't see as many fainters as what I have heard of them happening in the past. And I was just wondering, why is that? I don't know. know. That's a you thing. That's a nurse thing, not a me thing. I just found it. I was just wondering out loud. Anyway, do go on. Do continue. uh, Yeah, I don't know what I think about that one. Um, Fainters back then. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe out cold too, like due to shock or overwhelm or anything, they would just drop. Maybe they're softer. Well, maybe (laughs) we're more desensitized to big shocks these days. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe because we know about all of these things, we've got like a level of preparation that's done. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. Like if we saw (laughs) vampires or zombies, it'd be like, oh, yeah. I would yeah. not be. I'd be out cold. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be the painter. <laughs> I feel like you wouldn't, but I feel like it'd be just like, okay, yep, that makes sense with the way the world's going. Like we, we yeah. were eventually <laughs> right. going to start. Of course there's a zombie coming around the corner. I'd be what? worried about you because I know you do not like zombies. Oh, yeah, no. Give me a vampire any day. Wow. Zombie, I am... Off. I am out and just ending my life because no Yikes. thank you. Mm, fair. Mr. Westrop also writes that the sister of a former Roman Catholic bishop told his sisters that when she was a little girl, she ran out one evening with some other children for a walk. Going down the road, they passed the gate of the principal Demesne. <laughs> Is that the name? <laughs> Make no, up a name. of the principal Dem, D-E-M-E-S-N-E. Dem, Demesne. Dem, okay. Demesne. The principal Demesne. There's no capitals in that. It's just a, oh, a, a word. 
the gate of the principal demesne near the town. Oh, God. There was a rock or large stone beside the road on which they saw something. Going nearer, they perceived it to be a little dark old woman who began crying and clapping her hands. Some of them attempted to speak to her but got frightened and all finally ran home as quickly as they could. Next day, the news came that the gentleman near whose gate the banshee had cried was dead and it was found on inquiry that he had died at the very hour at which the children had seen the spectre. A lady who is a relation of one of the compilers and a member of a co-cork family of English descent sends the two following experiences of a banshee in her family. Oh, excellent. My my mother, when a young girl, was standing looking out of the window in their house at Black Rock near Cork. She suddenly saw a white figure standing on a bridge which was easily visible from the house. The figure waved her arms towards the house and my mother heard the bitter wailing of the banshee. It lasted some seconds and then the figure disappeared. Next morning, my grandfather was walking as usual into the city of Cork. He accidentally fell, hit his head against the curbstone and never recovered consciousness. In March 1900, my mother was very ill and one evening the nurse and I were with her arranging her bed. We suddenly heard the most extraordinary wailing, which seemed to come in waves round and under her bed. We naturally looked everywhere to try and find the cause, but in vain. The nurse and I looked at one another, but made no remark, as my mother did not seem to hear it. My sister was was downstairs sitting with my father. She heard it and thought some terrible thing had happened to her little boy, who was in bed upstairs. She rushed up and found him sleeping quietly. My father did not hear it. In the house next door, they heard it and ran downstairs thinking something had happened to the servant. But the latter at once said to them, did you hear the banshee? Mrs. P must be dying. A few years ago, i.e. before 1894. (laughs) (laughs) Just recently. So banshees wailed when someone was crying though, just on the side? I don't know. I am so confused. I hope our listeners are following along. Oh, keep, keep going with that last line. What was a few years before in 1894? A few years ago, i.e. before 1894, a, cur- oh God, come on. a curious incident occurred in a public school in connection with the belief in the banshee. One of the boys happening to become ill was at once placed in a room by himself where he used to sit all day. On one occasion, he, as he was being visited by the doctor, he suddenly started up from his seat and affirmed that he heard somebody crying. The doctor, of course, who could hear or see nothing, came to the conclusion that the illness had slightly affected his brain. However, Hmm. the boy, who appeared quite sensible, still persisted that he had heard someone crying and furthermore said, is the banshee, as I have heard it before. The following morning, the headmaster received a telegram saying the boy's brother had accidentally shot dead. Gee, that is, so I just, I just did a Wikipedia on the definition of banshee and we're pretty much bang on. A banshee is a female spirit in Irish folklore who heralds the death of a family member, usually by wailing, shrieking or keening. Her name is connected to the mythological important tumuli or mounds that dot the Irish countryside, which are known as as side in Old Irish. What? Hmm. Weird. I'd never, I'd never realised that. A banshee. Yeah. So it's believed that banshees are like Bigfoot so that they come from a different realm. Ooh, okay. So... I'm going to read this a little bit and then I'll go on to um, what the fuck. This book has the strangest things. It's like one page has just got at the top, headless coaches. And then (laughs) there's nothing. Yeah. (laughs) And then it's headless. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay. Okay. That the Banshee is not confined within the geographical limits of Ireland, but that she can follow the fortunes of a family abroad and therefore tell the death is clearly shown by the following story. 
A party of visitors were gathered together on the deck of a private yacht on one of the Italian lakes. And during a lull in the conversation, one of them, a colonel, said to the owner, Count, who's that queer-looking woman you have on board? (laughs) (laughs) Count. Who is that queer-looking woman? Pray tell. Count replied that there was nobody except the ladies present and the stewardess. But the speaker protested that he was correct and suddenly, with a scream of horror, he placed his hands before his eyes and exclaimed, Oh, my God, what a face! (laughs) (laughs) Tad dramatic, this fella. For some time he was overcome with terror and at length reluctantly looked up and cried, Thank heavens it's gone! (laughs) What was it, said the Count? Nothing human, replied the Colonel, nothing belonging to this world. It was a woman of no earthly type with a queer-shaped, gleaming face, a mass of red hair and eyes that would have been beautiful, beautiful but not for their expression, which was hellish. She had on a green hood after the fashion of an Irish peasant. An American lady (laughs) present suggested that the description tallied with that of the banshee upon which the Count said, I am an O'Neill, at least I am descended from one. My family name is, as you know, Nielseny, which little more than a century ago was O'Neill. My great-grandfather served in the Irish Brigade and on its dissolution at the time of the French Revolution had the good fortune to escape the general massacre of officers and in company with an O'Brien and a Maguire fled across the frontier and settled in Italy. On his death, his son who had been born in Italy and was far more Italian than Irish, changed his name to Nielsini, by which name the family has been known ever since. But for all that, we are Irish. The banshee was yours then, ejaculated the girl. Ejaculated? Crikey, <laughs> now he's talking out his dick. Far out. <laughs> I've heard of talking grass before, but my God, this book has it all. <laughs> Sorry. The banshee was yours then, ejaculated the colonel. Oh, what exactly does it mean? It means, the count replied solemnly, the death of someone very nearly associated with me. Pray heaven it is not my wife or daughter. On that score, however, his anxiety was speedily removed, for within two hours he was seized with a violent attack of angina pectoris hmm. and died before morning. So it was for him, his mm-hmm. own self. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a cool story. <laughs> that really had it all. <gasps> oh, I feel Ow. like I've been through. <laughs> I think I need a glass of wine. <laughs> Didn't know it was going to be those types of stories. Me either. <laughs> that was fun. I love it. <laughs> what have um, you got? Did you say there's other parts? To okay, the this is going to be the last one. Okay. Aww. But of all the death warnings in connection with Irish families, surely the strangest is the Gorman's Town Foxes. Mm. The crest of that noble family is a running fox, while the same animal also forms one of the supporters of the coat of arms. The story is that when the head of the house is dying, the foxes, not spectral foxes, but creatures of flesh and blood, leave the coverts and congregate at Gorman's Town Castle. Let us see what proof there is of this. When Jennico, the 12th Viscount, was dying in 1860, foxes were seen about the house and moving towards the house for some days previously. Just before his death, three foxes were playing about and making a noise close to the house. And just in front of the cloisters, Mm-hmm. which for some reason it is in bunny ears, Cloist. in front of the cloisters, mm. which are yew trees planted and trained in that shape. The oh, Honourable Mrs okay. Farrell states, as regards the same, that the foxes came in pairs into the Demesne and sat <laughs> under the Viscount's bedroom window. Viscount. The Viscount's. 
The Viscount? I think it's is pronounced it a silent Viscount. S? I think so. <laughs> I should have watched enough Bridgerton to know that. Ooh, I'll have to watch and it again. <laughs> and howled all night. Next morning, they were to be found crouching about in the grass in front and around the house. They walked through the poultry and never touched them. After the funeral, they disappeared. After the death of Edward the Thirteenth Viscount in 1876, <laughs> the, vox, the foxes were also there. He had been rather better one day, but the foxes appeared barking under the window and he died that night, contrary to expectation. On October 28, 1907, Jenico, the 14th Viscount, died in Dublin. At about 8 o'clock that night, the coachman and gardener saw two foxes near the chapel, close to the house, five or six more around the front of the house, and several crying in the cloisters, once again in bunnies. <laughs> Two days later, the Honourable Richard Preston, RFA, was watching by his father's body in the above chapel. About 3am, he became conscious of a slight noise, which seemed to be that of a number of people walking stealthily around the chapel on the gravel walk. He went to the side door, listened, and heard outside a continuous and insistent snuffling or stiffling noise, accompanied by whimperings and scratchings at the door. On opening it, he saw a full-grown fox sitting on the path within four feet of him. Just in the shadow was another, while he, while he could hear several more moving close by in the darkness. He then went to the end door opposite the altar, and on opening it saw two more foxes, one so close that he could have touched it, and we touched it with his foot. On shutting the door, the noise continued till 5 a.m. when it suddenly ceased. Well, that story ended in the most boring way. Just say the word ejaculated. Surely someone ejaculated something. <laughs> Holy wow. Oh, God, I love this book. <laughs> it's a good one. That's it. Yeah. Well, I thought that story was going to end better because it was like, but of all of the death warnings in connection yeah. with Irish families, surely the strangest. And I'm like, well, it's a bit boring, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking up what a cloister was because it was in bunny ears. I thought maybe it was something that was appearing to be a cloister that wasn't a cloister. <laughs> <laughs> what is a cloister? It's a covered walk. Oh, so like So it's like archway. a pathway. Yeah, pathway with vines. But- yeah, but you were saying that there was yew trees cut. But had been shape. trained to grow like Yeah, that. so I, I okay. still don't know why it was something appearing to be that because it sounded like it was that. Anyhow, it just had oh, me. Who wondering. knows? Yeah. <laughs> I'm still I'm still on the ejaculated kernel. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. So that's banshees and death warnings. And if you've ever seen a banshee, please write in and let us know so we can oh, share your story. Irish, yeah. It's weird, isn't it? It is. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I just flicked through a page and I opened up to, as we sat around it, touching it with our hands, it began to knock. We said, who are you? The table spelt out the name of a bishop of the Church of Ireland. We asked, thinking that the answer was absurd, as we knew him to be alive and well, are you dead? And the table answered, yes. We laughed at this and asked, who will be appointed to the dispensary? The table spelt out the name of a stranger who was not one of the candidates, whereupon we left off thinking that the whole thing was nonsense. The next morning I saw in the papers that the bishop in question had died that afternoon about two hours before our meeting and a few days afterwards I saw the name of the stranger as the new dispensary doctor. I got such a shock that I determined never to have anything to do with tables again. Wow. (laughs) Just tables in general. I was going to say, by tables, would that be a Ouija board, the way it's spelling out something? Yeah. 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 So they would have been doing a, uh, yeah. like a um, table turning. So where they do Ouija boards or they use, um, it's like an, a really, really old school, original mediumship, psychic, paranormal. Mm, like a seance type yes, thing. Yes, that's the mm. word I was looking for. Sorry, I was seance. Yeah. Seance. 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 Well, that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. 
We're going to announce our Patreon probably next week. Our on next Patreon live. Yep. We're going to um, confirm what date it is. Do we yeah, have a date yet, Tracy? No, we don't. It'll probably okay. be Thursday the 23rd uh-huh. of an evening. Yep. But yep. Yet Sounds to confirm. Good. So if you're a Patreon, go over and check it out. If you're not a Patreon, you should. Yeah. And also, Laura just had a brilliant stroke of genius earlier on where she suggested that we've got a lot of video recordings because we record via Zoom and have done since the COVID. <laughs> and they've got all these recordings. So we thought we might put the the videos up into the Patreon. So yeah, even though you might listen to the content again, it's just a different way of consuming the content. Yeah. Yeah, who knows who you might see pop up in them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of dash. Yep. And a today of, there'll be Alaska. <laughs> a lot of pantomiming, like, you know, <laughs> with fingers on lips and waving away. <laughs> We're really good at that. <laughs> we are. So you're going to find all of our secrets behind the scenes, what we do. Yeah. Yep. We're pretty much open books these days. So. <laughs> we were just like, should we do it? I'm like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. Do you care? Oh, care. dear. No. But speaking of Patreons, we have the beautiful Claudia that has signed up. So thank you so much. Thanks, Claudia. Thank and you. along with everybody else joining our Patreons. Patri- Patronus. 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 Anywho, you take care wherever you are and we'll speak to you next week. Thank you. Bye. We love bringing Turns Out She's Psychic to you each week at no cost. So if you like what you hear, please consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We are a small operation researching, coordinating and producing the show ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the costs of making the show. As a thank you, we'll send you out some Tosby tattoos. We'll give you a Patreon shout-out on the podcast. There's a monthly live Q&A, competitions and giveaways, as well as special book and movie review bonus episodes. For more details, please click the link in the show notes. Of course, if you want to get in touch, send us an email at tospsychic at gmail.com we welcome your ghost stories and any questions that you have for myself or tracy and we'd love it if you left a review and shared the podcast with your friends and family and give us a follow on insta at turns out underscore she's psychic bye bye bye